everybody and welcome to Exposed Dragged Out. It's a podcast where I, Joseph Shepard, talk to some individuals who may have been on a RuPaul's Drag Race franchise. I'm so excited because the announcement for Drag Race UK versus the World just came out today with the cast list. And I am so excited. It's coming out February 1st. It's going to be on WOW Presents Plus everywhere, but UK and Canada and BBC Three in the UK. No idea where it's coming on in Canada. So if you are in Canada, you're Canadian, you know where it's coming on, please let me know because I searched all of World of Wonders pages and could not figure out that info. I also was looking and I have no idea if these girls are going to be getting money. Like there better be a $100,000 prize, but this was filmed in the UK and we know what happened with the UK seasons. No prize money. Uh, but we have Pangina Heels, who's our Thailand host. It's going to be exciting to see a host actually participate. Juju B and Monique Hart from uh, RuPaul's Drag Race US, the US franchise. And Monique Hart is now going by Mo Hart. Um, then we have Cheryl Hole, Bag of Chips and Blue Hydrangea from UK season one. Janie Jacquet from Holland. And Lemon and Jimbo from Canada's Drag Race Season 1. I'm so excited for this. If you want me to talk about this on some of the podcasts, bring some of these girls on, let me know. I'm so excited for our guest today. I've had this interview in the vault and thought I'd bring it out because Jimbo was just announced as a contestant on UK versus the world. And I would love for you guys to know a little bit more about Jimbo, their type of drag, their aesthetic. If you haven't watched Canada season one, make sure that you watch it before UK versus the world. And also, I would love if you guys could email me at draggedoutpod at gmail.com. Let me know what your favorite part of this interview with Jimbo is. And if you rate it, that's also great as well. I love the ratings and the reviews. Uh, But if you send me an email just letting me know that you listen to this podcast, then I will enter you in the drawing for a chance to win a cameo from the one and the only Jimbo. He can say whatever you want. You know, they could say whatever, whenever. Anyway, let's get started with this episode. Hey, hey, hey. on season one of Canada's Drag Race, where she taught us that, hey, you don't have to be afraid of clowns, especially when they got some big boobs. Her name is Jimbo the Drag Clown, and she's about to be exposed. Hey, hey, Jimbo. Well, hello. Well, how's it going over there? Well, you know, it's lonely. Lots of drinking alone. Yeah, I've been dressing up a little here and there, and I've been hanging out, and lots of, yeah, looking out the window, lots of crying and scratching at the walls. You always need a good cry. Yeah. <laughs> well, you were born and raised in London, Ontario. So what was Little Jimbo like? Little Jimbo was very curious and expressive and, yeah, sort of just never really fit in uh, in a lot of places and just kind of did my own thing and... Yeah, I've just always been really creative and curious and, um, yeah. So when did the curiosity, like, lead you into, like, actually, like, did you do clown school or was it just drag and then that became more of, like, the drag clown aspect? 
Well, I was working with a director in Victoria. I still work with her, Britt Small. And so we did a cabaret show together called Atomic Vaudeville with a whole bunch of comedians and all kinds of people. And um, through that process, I started doing clown, taking clown courses with her. And that was really how I discovered my relationship with the audience and performance was through clown. Well, what's the most exciting thing about actually performing on a stage? What do you get the thrill from? Um, well, the essence of clowning is in shared surprise. So it's always my favorite when I get out there and I do something and I surprise myself at the same time as the audience because um, that's the, you know, the essence of clowning is that you don't really think too much beforehand. You really just embody what's happening and you kind of just go there and, and let yourself just do whatever in the moment. And I love just seeing what comes out and what happens. So you embody this and you end up getting into drag, where did the name Jimbo come from? Well, Jimbo is like a synonym, James. And so as a little boy, my dad called me Jimbo, or he sang this little song, Jimbolina, Jimbolina, how I love you. So um, I was Jimbolina. And then when I moved out west, my partner at the time, Hank, he started calling me Jimbo. And slowly, one by one by one, everyone started calling me Jimbo. And there you had it. Now I'm Jimbo. <laughs> I love that. And I love that it actually like originated from you as well. And over time, and it wasn't just like, you know, a spur of the whim. What should my drag name be? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people think a drag name needs to be like something catchy that has like, you know, that says something dirty with words that are actually names that match up together to be something funny. But I mean, you don't always have to do that. You can also just be some other name. Yeah. And when you perform in Canada in drag, have you seen a difference in other places that you perform? Because since I'm from America, I don't technically know what the Canadian drag scene is like. What is that like for people that do not know? Well, I think like drag is a universal language. It's all about self-expression and it's all about individualism. And so, you know, I think that the drag we have in Canada is, is similar in its roots to the drag that happens all over the world, but unique to us because we are Canadian and we have our own different, you know, social values and we have our own different influences that make us all unique. And so, you know, I think that Canada just has a really cool um, sort of you know, some people say, you know, it's a bit quirky or weird. You know, Canadians have a sort of a unique sense of humor and point of view. And I think that it's woven into our drag. Well, there's a show called RuPaul's Drag Race. It's been in the U.S. It ends up coming over into Canada as Canada's Drag Race. The year's 2020. You're announced as a contestant on Canada's Drag Race. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Jimbo, if you didn't know... <laughs> Where where were you when you got the phone call? Oh my god. Well, when I got the phone call, I died. I was in the middle of a fitting and I had to excuse myself and I left the room and went for my for the phone call and I just screamed and died and got, you know, the best news of my entire life and then I had to go back to the next room and pretend like nothing happened and be like, "Hi. Hey, yes. Your costumes. You uh, try this on. I've got to go. Bye. And I just, you know, I just, I had to go. I had to leave. I had to say, I need to start my own costumes. I need to get my shit together because I'm going to see my mother. 
And everyone was like, what are you doing going to see your mom with so much stuff? <laughs> <laughs> she needs a full performance. She may record it for the home videos. Yes. And then everyone asked, is your mom okay? I was like, yeah, she's totally fine. And they're like, oh, okay. So you have to go see your mom, but she's totally fine with all this stuff. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so you end up walking into the workroom of Canada's Drag Race. What did you actually think when you walked into a TV set, TV studio, and it's like actually production happening? What do you think of your competition at the time? Well, I thought, oh, wow, look at these hoes in the corner. I thought they all look so beautiful, and I was so excited to get to know them. I didn't know any one of them beforehand. And, you know, I barely know them now. No, just kidding. I really, I got to know a lot of them. You know, we are all really close and we talk over our Instagram chat together. And when I first saw them, I guess, I just thought, you know, some looked so beautiful, some looked so creepy, some looked, you know, so, um, you know, everyone that just looked different. And I just thought, wow, cool. Look at all these beautiful sister friends I have now. So you see all these girls, you end up having the first challenge and you have to hike that mountain and you let out this, as I called it, the Jimbo scream. I was in hysterics. I was laughing. I was like, oh my gosh, you made your mark from the first episode. Where did that thought come from to do that? Um, well, like I said, that sort of the essence of the clown is truth in the moment. And so my entrance, I didn't think of what I was going to say. I just entered the workroom and I was like, oh, wow. And, you know, when I entered that set, you know, I'm going to climb that mountain. I was like, I don't like the cold because I don't like the cold. And then I thought I have to climb this mountain. And I was like, oh, this isn't so bad because it wasn't that bad. I thought it was supposed to be slippy or something. And then I got to the top and I was like, oh, I did it. The hardest part is over. I climbed that mountain and then they started the fan and then I just started to scream. Ah! Ah! And that's just how I felt. I mean, I was being blown by basically the jets of a fucking jet plane directly beside my head when I was at the top of this little mountain set. So yeah, I screamed for my freaking life. I think anyone would have screamed. I literally thought I was going to be blown to my death. But you owned it, Jimbo. And the thing was is that you became such a big fan favorite right then and there. And then the internet went by storm once you de-dragged and they started calling you Daddy Jimbo and everybody wanted a piece of Jimbo. Have you adopted any children yet? Well, I have two children already with my partner. Little Cassandra and Alex are so sweet. They are from his previous marriage, and they are two lovely, beautiful little kids, and they're awesome. So you were already a daddy. That's right. So one thing is that your showcase of drag throughout the whole season was, I thought, astronomical. I thought it was amazing. Every week you had a different look. You had something that was pulling the audience in, and the audience became like really, really, really behind you. But one thing that ended up happening is that once after episode two or three, the judges' critiques started to become a little bit more harsh. And the viewers were all a little stunned seeing you get critiques when people, a lot of people, and even myself, thought that you should have won some of these challenges. Did you feel like the judging critiques were harsh when you were in the moment, or do you think that it was edited a little bit more harshly for television? No, they were harsh. <laughs> 
I think that they wanted to show, you know, that they meant business, that we're not all, you know, so nicey-nicey up here in Canada. And so, you know, I think they really want, they were afraid of looking too nice. And, you know, I think they just got carried away with um, the judgmental side of things. And, you know, they're all lovely people. It's just a TV show. You know, it's not... It's not meant to make anyone angry. It's meant to be entertaining. It's meant to be funny. And so, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's sometimes funnier to be a little bit mean or cutting than it is to be nice. And so I think a lot of the jokes ended up being, um, you know, at our expense and or coming across as harsh. And, you know, it didn't really seem constructive a lot of the time. It just seemed like, you know, making fun of people doing their art. So I think a lot of people responded, especially, you know, COVID times, you know, everyone's feeling a little bit more sensitive and, you know, that culture about taking people down and that sort of older version of, yeah, let's be the mean judge that tears people apart. I think there's less room for that nowadays. And so I think the internet responded like, hey, show these people love, show these people, you know, see them. And so there was a lot um, of, you know, a lot of opportunities to see us and see our drag and to celebrate what we were doing that were missed. And I hope that they change that going forward. Yeah. I mean, I think that that was the thing. Like I was just so shocked and surprised because I also, you know, I thought that you did really well on a lot of the challenges. I thought that you did well when you should have had probably about two, three more wins on top of what you already had. So that was kind of my shock is that, you know, Jimbo, the fan favorite that everybody's loving is getting the worst critiques. We're, the other girls getting similar critiques or do you feel like it was a lot of attack on you? Well, I feel like, you know, a lot of times it's not always been like, oh, I'm just accepted for what I'm putting out there in the world. Shabam, just like that. You know, it's, you know, when you're like a fringe artist or you're doing something differently, you really have to show people and you have to um, push boundaries and you have to expect that not everyone's going to get it right away. And so, you know, the judges didn't get it, but the audience did. And at the end of the day, you know, it's the audience that I perform for. It's the audience that I love. I'm a clown. And so, you know, the three judges that, you know, they're to judge that I didn't wow them and was like the top pick that's not uncommon for fringe people or for people doing different things it's like usually after the fact that people go oh i see what you're doing or oh i understand that now and at the time it felt weird and at the time it felt uncomfortable at the time it felt you know um you know the, a lot of the critiques were all over the road it's too much it's not enough where are you are you here are you there so you know it's, there was just a lot of confusion around how to digest it and i think that's good that means it's creating conversation it's you know it's not art is not meant to be comfortable it's meant to push boundaries it's meant to start conversations it's meant to make you think and so you know i of course wish that the judges you know ate up everything i did but at the end of the day it started some really great conversations about drag and about seeing people and about the way people are judged and about drag and so you know i think i was really successful in creating conversations around the art form, which is what you want to do with art. Well, you were beyond successful with that because, I mean, any improv performance that you had, you were killing, like literally doing so good amongst all the other girls. The Snatch Game, I have to talk about that with you and Joan Rivers. 
Now, when you put on the Miss Joan Rivers, I'm pretty sure that Joan Rivers, it felt like she came down from the heavens and embodied, came inside of your body. How did you end up prepping for that? And what was the reaction like? Oh, my God. Well, oh, I absolutely love doing Joan Rivers. I thought it was an absolute dream come true to be on the Snatch King and to be embodied Joan Goddammit Rivers. And I really did. I really, to be on the Snatch Game, you know, that's my favorite episode as it is for many people. And so it was my absolute dream and honor to win that, um, which is kind of, you know, this ultimate showcase of embodying drag, embodying a character, thinking on your feet and, you know, really being present in the moment and being able to respond and just have fun. And so... Those are my favorite elements of drag is about uh, changing your appearance is about connecting in this new form to other people and bringing joy and laughter. And so I was so grateful to uh, be able to summon Joan back from the dead and to make people laugh in a way that was celebratory as well as, you know, honoring that she was like, you know, she had a sharp tongue that can stray into too much. And I was able to go just far enough to make everyone laugh. And um, I didn't do any uh, damage to her history or her legacy or, you know, didn't offend anyone because that's easy to do um, when you're when you're embodying an insult comment. So, well, let me ask you, because you just you briefly just touched on this. You said, you know, talking about comedy can go too far. And with you being a performer, how do you end up figuring out what is too far and what people will like and won't like, because you did handle Joan very, very well. Well, I just like, you have to really keep in mind your audience. And so one of the things I learned in clown school was to just really be a big giant ear for your audience where you're really listening and you kind of go the places that uh, they want you to based on the response and, you know, being on TV and knowing the demographics and the, the different reaches we would have. And there would be children watching. And I wanted, you know, my own children to be able to watch and to be able to laugh and so it's you know really about being intelligent and being able to have uh, jokes and ideas that appeal to others and are missed by others when you know like my Edgar's ashes you know I think that that was a great joke that you know referenced something without actually referencing it all the way so that you know people can laugh and people can ignore it if they need to it's just like you know you have to at the same time as pushing boundaries you have to also um, you know feel where your boundaries are so that that you can connect with the most people. Let's speak about pushing some boundaries a little bit on the show, Jimbo. So you, I thought your pink dress for the prom look was beautiful. I thought that you did a great job there. You end up in the little untucked lounge, getting into a little bit of a predicament with Miss Rita Baga. What do you think led you to speak out and express your opinion? And how are you guys today? Well, we, you know, everything that happens on the show, it all happens too fast to really think about it or dwell on it. And so, you know, at the time, that was a funny outburst that happened that we moved on pretty quickly from. You know, it had definite bigger shockwaves after it aired and after people, you know, made it into memes and then we're learning the lines and they're like, you know, 
you know, it's sort of like, it makes it even bigger and more amazing and funny and cringy. It's all of it. It's all together. It's, you know, as a fan of the show, I love Untucked. I love when things get spicy and untucked. And, um, you know, I didn't intentionally think, oh, you know, I'm going to come for Rita and da 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 da. At that time, I was so tired and so, you know, you're hungry, you're tired, you're stressed, your dreams are within your reach and you're like fighting for your life. And Rita had been receiving so much positive critique around her looks and she had been winning and I felt jealous. I felt angry that I was not being seen. And so when she, of all people, you know, turned to me and was like, oh, like, did you like mean to look older? I was like, I'm going to murder you. Like, I'm going to murder you. Why would you ask me that right now? And so, you know, it could have been anyone, anyone in that moment turning to me, asking me a double-handed question about not looking proper when I had just been read on not looking right. I I didn't take that very well. And of course, I wanted to be cute and to be like, oh, thank you for your critique. And I am like so happy that you said that I look old because that makes me feel like so good inside. Could you tell me one more time how shitty I look? Because I really want to feel that again. So instead, I freaking clapped back and I was like, fuck you, bitch. I hate you, bitch. I'm going to kill you, bitch. But I didn't mean it. I actually love her so much. And I can just be crazy sometimes. And what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do in Untucked besides getting mad at somebody and causing a viral meme that's going to end up on TikTok? Like what? Whoopsie. Whoopsie. So you you end up getting past all of this. You are getting closer to the final. It's literally the episode before the final three. And let me tell you, when you ended up being announced for the bottom, I was the most confused I think I've ever been in my life. I was kind of shocked and I don't know where the, like it kind of came from. I thought that you did well. I thought that you wrapped the whole season. You never like were in the bottom before. And it was just such a big shock for me. How big of a shock was it to you? And what were you thinking in those moments? I was shocked. I was shocked because I, it was a design and sewing challenge and I had pattern and cut and sewn and tailored and lined and embellished that gown so that it fit me perfectly. And I was the only one that did such a thing. And, you know, the close second was Rita, who used her sewing machine and a hot glue gun, but, you know, it didn't actually fit her properly. And, you know, it was a beautiful gown, but it just wasn't finished. You know, if we're going to look at the judging of the gowns. And then, you know, um, Bobo didn't sew hers. Hers was all glued, and I helped her figure that all out and Priyanka's was literally just a piece of Bristol board with crap glued on it and of course it was more crap glued on it so I really did think I've made this whole look not only that I made every piece of my other looks that I showed that night my fur coat that rainbow um, zip up bodysuit those leggings I made that gold jacket I made that bra I made that panty with the freaking shit on it I made all of it so I was like okay I'm ready for top three. I've made all my shit. 
And I thought I had nailed it. I had done this and that and the other thing. And I was really, really ready to win. And this huge big crown that referenced my promo look. And I sort of, I wanted to enter the top three as the promo character. So I referenced that look with my huge crown and my big long dress and my sparkly boots and my sparkly nails. Because I was like, I'm headed for top three. So I was shocked to the shock to the shock rock, rocked when I was in the fucking bottom after doing all the goddamn work I did. And then I was not prepared to lip sync. And they also gave us zero time to prepare for like, usually you have time between untucked and going to the runway where they film you and you see them practicing lip sync and they do this voiceover and everything's dramatic. And they're like, Oh, now's my time. And I've got this chance, one last chance, but I didn't get that time. They put us right under the runway and was shabam, you're lip syncing. And so, you know, I didn't have time to hide anything. I didn't have to time to change a wig. I didn't have time to think, oh, I'm going to be dancing. I'm going to be lip syncing. I didn't have any of that. It was just right out on the runway. And I was like, what in the actual fuck? And so my headpiece was woven into my wig so that it would stay down. And my dress I was sticking to the sparkles of my boots, the applique I put on the front. And so it was really difficult to move in that outfit. And I didn't want to look like a hot mess. And so I kept my hair slash crown on and I just couldn't perform properly. And so I ended up doing the lip sync as I did, but it wasn't my best work, obviously. So, Well, I will say that I, I actually did think that you were going to win the lip sync because once Rita pulled out the scissors, I was like, oh, no, that's like a that's like a, a pull your wig off reveal. I was like, this is going to be a bad thing. So it was a shock. And then you end up leaving the stage and the judges and everybody scream, we love you, Jimbo. And you said, F you. What led to that moment? Did you think that you were going to say that? Or were you just like, oh, whatever? No, like I said, I mean, everything, even when I, I didn't know what I was going to say when I got to the back of the runway. I didn't think I was going home. I didn't think I was lip syncing. I didn't think I was going home. I didn't know what I was gonna say. When I got to the back of the runway, I was like, what do I actually feel right now? So very much like my entrance, I didn't really think a lot about what I was gonna do when I got to the end of that runway. And so I just, I, you know, I did what I felt in that moment, which fall scream, why? <laughs> why? And I, meant it and then when i was there crawling away at the bottom of my dream barrel just scraping my way off that stage and then they're like love you i was like fuck you motherfuckers you don't love me no you don't because if you love me you would have seen that i made all my looks and i deserve to be in the top three so when they were like love you mean it i was like fuck you i'm out and there you go you walk out of the stage you walk back into the workroom you write your mirror message let's talk about this mirror message that has since become a meme the makeup everybody's saying that you were channeling the joker and that's what it looks like and how you did it in the mirror everybody thinks it was a genius move now, what was going through your head when you did that? Well, you know, my my journey as a clown isn't really through beauty and isn't really through tutorials online about how to have the perfect cut crease 
and how to do all my makeup perfectly. My focus is about entertaining my audience. It's about being truthful. It's about being funny. And so, um, you know, I was viewed and discounted because of my makeup over and over and over again. You know, why didn't you do this? And your makeup's like that and this and that. And I'm like, you know, there's so many other elements at play here beyond my hands being blue or beyond me having eyelashes. That was a bad move. I, I ran out of time. I should have had eyelashes. But, you know, other things where people are just saying, oh, da 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 your makeup, this and that. And, you know, I understand we want to look beautiful and we want the makeup to be right and all of that. But it was just really like, you know, there's so many ways to be beautiful. Do I really need to look like your version of beautiful? And so as I went out and Michelle Visage saying, you know, make your face match the rest of your body. And, you know, all the girls the whole time telling me, you know, my makeup was not that nice and da, 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 da. And so I really just thought, fuck it. Here, I'm at the fucking end. And I'm going to smear this makeup all around my face because I do not give a shit because I am here to be a drag queen, not a freaking makeup artist. You know, that's part of it, but that's not what drives me. I am a clown. And so I just said, fuck it. I'm going to smear this makeup all over my face because I don't give a shit. And then I was like, who's a little pretty, pretty little girl, huh? Because I'm a pretty girl and I don't need some freaking other people to tell me and I don't need to be afraid to be weird or to be afraid to be myself because I'm going to look ugly. And so I just want to to break that barrier and just say, yeah, I'm freaking ugly, silly, beautiful, crazy. I'm a freaking clown. I'm a freaking bitch. I'm a freaking babe. Eat it. What do you want? And I don't need to do what you want me to do. So I'll color on my damn face. Yes. But that's why everybody loves you, Jimbo. I think that's a big thing is that you are so unapologetically you. If you like it, love it. If you don't, then leave. Was the fan response what you expected? Like when you saw that your Instagram started climbing and people were loving you, how did that make you feel? Um, Well, it made me feel like I'm doing the right work that I am, you know, that's what the clown is supposed to do. It's supposed to, you know, it's, it's not really about me. It's not about Jimbo. It's about being a conduit for your audience, about spreading a message, about creating experience. So, you know, I didn't really have any expectations around anything. I don't, I didn't expect people to love me. I didn't expect to be connected, but you know, if you're doing a good job as an entertainer and a clown, then that's what happens. And so I guess I was not surprised, but I was so overjoyed. I am so grateful and so um, just encouraged that my point of view, that my sense of humor, that my take on drag and my ability to connect, you know, is so widely and well received. That's the best thing you can ask for as an entertainer is to have a message that is important and that resonates. And so I'm so, so grateful for the fact that I can connect with so many people. One thing that queens normally say when they leave RuPaul's Drag Race is that they sometimes might have something that just so happened to end up in their purse or their luggage from the workroom. Is there anything that you took to remember Canada's Drag Race? Yes, I took um, a little rainbow pinata that was out of my paper challenge. I smuggled it out to my room to have like a little shrine by my bed so I could have something exciting and beautiful to look at in my little apartment. And I also stole a cue card from my Joan Rivers, which is a secret. You end up off of Drag Race. You put out a video 
on your YouTube, which was introducing what was going to be the House of Jimbo. So what is the House of Jimbo and what can fans expect from it? Great. So The House of Jimbo is a show that's going to be filmed in my home studio. I live in a sort of beautiful wonderland in Victoria, B.C. It's an old Chinese gambling den in ancient Chinatown, and it has a beautiful secret passage, and it has some really unique characteristics that lend it to be this sort of like wonderful imaginarium that really inspires people. And so I wanted to sort of reference some of my favorite childhood shows, um, like Wee's Playhouse and The Hilarious House of Frightenstein, where it's basically character and sketch-based comedy that is, you know, character-based and sort of absurd. And so I sort of want to bring people into my world and sort of create this three-dimensional uh, representation of what's going on in this head of mine. And so it would be, you know, us on a physical set, and then there would be some puppet characters and there would be also some green screen characters and moments, you know, um, referencing some of our favorite older shows, but in new updated ways. And so it will sort of have a bit of familiarity as well as a bit of absurdity and some clowning and buffoonery and some special guests. Now that I have all these beautiful, incredible sisters around the world, I would love to showcase some of this uh, talent and friendship that I've made. Jimbo, I actually like that a whole lot. I think that that is like a totally different turn than what, you know, queens on Drag Race end up doing after the show and to be able to use the improv skills and the clown skills and your drag skills all in one, but kind of create a variety type show. And I think that is very, very smart. I like that a lot. Thank you so much. Now, one thing that I also um, know about you is that you were the star of a little music video called Open Heart. Let me ask you first, I absolutely love the video, loved the character that you embody for the video. Is there some plans for some actual Jimbo music? There is, yes. I started, you know, I love singing so much. I have a musical partner, Andrew Taylor. We've made music together in the past. And I also, my ex-partner, Hank Pine, is a musician, as well as uh, my clown teacher, Britt Small, is a, is a musician. And I'm in a, a community of amazing musicians, my ex-roommate, Carolyn Mark. And so, you know, I am surrounded with musicians. And so I plan on, yeah, making an album where I sing, 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 and some made-up ones, too. I'm not really sure, but I just, I love singing so much. You know, my shows, I incorporate live singing into my shows. I sing Creep and I sing some other stuff, you know, beautiful songs. And I love that. I love connecting with people verbally as opposed to in lip sync. I do lip sync and I, and I like lip syncing, but I really prefer to actually emote and to sing live and to connect with the power of the voice. And so, yeah, I'm going to make some music coming up. Ah, it's gonna be so exciting. And I'm also excited, like, if you if you do videos, the visuals, I'm sure, will be on point. You know, yeah, I work with these amazing people at Studio 549, and they're so lovely. So one um, RuPaul's Drag Race queen recently said that she had met you uh, at Burning Man, and that was Willem. So let me ask you a question. Do you normally go to festivals and things and travel and kind of expand the horizons? Do you do that a lot? Yeah, so I, I am a burner myself. I've been to Burning Man six times, and I've been to our regional burns a number of times um, in Victoria and in Vancouver. And I love going to the festivals, and I tour my giant rainbow. 
I have a huge rainbow that I built with my partner and our friends. It's a 16 foot tall, 32 foot wide RGB LED rainbow, this huge, beautiful rainbow. So we tour to um, pride festivals and music festivals with our installation. And then I usually perform and we set up, we travel with a big circus tent. My partner and I sleep in this big, beautiful circus tent and we bring all of our costumes and we put people in drag and we party and we listen to music and we set up our rainbow and we just live the fantasy. Now, what do you think from people viewing you on the television or your fans? What do you think the biggest misconception of Jimbo is? That I'm a bitch. No, I am a bitch sometimes, but I'm not really. Like, it's just, you know, that one episode and then I guess the other episode and the other episode where I, I you know, popped off and, you know, I kind of snapped. Yeah, I guess like that's a misconception that I do that often. And I only do it like once a day. The cameras were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think that's a misconception is that, um, is that, yeah, that I'm like a bit bitchier than I actually am. But I'm actually really kind and sweet. If you could for one day put on another drag queen shoes past or present and live in their life for a day, who would it be? I would say it would be Bob the Drag Queen. I would love to be Bob the Drag Queen in New York City and to just be walking around, telling people like it is, and yeah, being everything that is Bob. I would love that. I like that a lot. That's a really good answer. And then you could also host like the little, you know, pit stop and and do your comedy shows and have a day in Bob's life. Yeah, you caught me. I just want to be on pit stop. (laughs) (laughs) And Jimbo, as we close this out, my last question for you is, what is a message or words of wisdom that you have for the LGBT community? Um, messages and words of wisdom for the LGBTQ plus community is to love each other and to love ourselves and to believe that everyone is on our side. I think, you know, that's a really important thing is to really uh, give yourself the benefit of the doubt that you are loved, that you are important, that you are amazing. And so live that, feel that, know that, be that, and share that with the world. And so I just, yeah, I really hope that everyone can just, you know, self-reflect, self-love, charge up. And once you're filled with self-love, then you blast it out. You're like, I'm full now. I'm going to blast it all around. I'm going to share that love. And I just want people to do that. Share love, love themselves and share love. That's a great word to listen because you embody that perfectly and you love yourself and you show off everything about you and people love you. And that's kind of like, you know, what happens when you love yourself, the love starts coming. That's right. Yeah. You know, that's, it's not easy to love yourself at all. You really have to allow yourself to do that and to believe in yourself and, It hasn't been easy for me to go down that road either. It's taken a lot of support and a lot of people saying, yes, you are amazing. Believe in yourself. Share that. And, you know, everyone has that power to just believe in themselves and to share their love and to, to find their message and to amplify that and to connect with people and change the world. Well, thank you so much, Jimbo, for being here and exposing yourself with me. Where can everybody find you on the socials? Thank you so much for having me. You can find me on my Instagram, Jimbo the Drag Clown. You can also book me for your cameo now. And you'll find me on Twitter. And I'm also out back around the dumpster in the alley. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much. 
Um, until next time, I'm Joseph Shepard, and that's the fabulous Jimbo the Drag Clown. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Exposed Dragged Out, brought to you by The Dip. I'm Joseph Shepard, your host. You can follow me on all things social at Joseph A. Shepard. That's S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. You can also go to thedip.com slash RuPaul's Drag Race. The Dip with two P's dot com. That's the dip with two P's.com. Use promo code expose for 50% off your membership. And be sure to check out other podcasts from the dip, including Hot Off the Mess with Samantha Bush, the Daily Pop Culture Podcast, Pop Chaser, TV History Podcast, TV Watch Repeat, Real Housewives Podcast, The Slut Pick Podcast, and also I Am the Cute One, America and Ashley Olsen Podcast. Until next time, I'm Joseph Shepard. Expose yourself. Ooh.